You're listening to the Doc Lounge Podcast. This is a place for candid conversations with the healthcare industry's top physicians, executives, and thought leaders. This podcast is made possible by Pacific Companies, your trusted advisor in physician recruitment. I am one of your hosts, Cameron Steinheimer, and I am the marketing manager here at Pacific Companies. Welcome everybody to a new episode of the Doc Lounge podcast by Pacific Companies. Today, we are gonna be highlighting an industry expert in our Ask the Expert series. I'm your host, Stacey Doyle, Senior Director of Marketing. Today, we have joining us, Lyndon Davis. He is a financial advisor and he's an SVP at Raymond James. Lyndon is a master at finances and he specializes in retirement. And we're so lucky to have him on today as a financial literacy advocate for healthcare professionals. Uh, The majority of his clientele work within the medical field. So this is really a group of people that he is really passionate about helping. And we're just really, really honored to have him on today. Um, Lyndon will be really speaking about his expertise in the areas of retirement planning, wealth management, and helping people reach their financial goals. Um, so I'm, I'm really excited to have him share some valuable insights and tips with you all today. Welcome to the podcast, Mr. Davis. Well, thank you for having me here. It's a pleasure. We, we're really, really delighted to have you here. And I would love to just learn a little bit more about you know your background um, and really what led you to start specializing you know, in financial advising and really kind of also focusing on on healthcare professionals. No, well, um, my story is, I guess, somewhat uncommon. Um, grew up in New York, and uh, you know, at the time, Stacy didn't know it, but we were poor, and I kind of found out we were poor after, I don't know, maybe about three or four grades into elementary school. The way it was for me is that I only had one change of clothing one pants, one shirt for five days of the week. And it was when the kid said to me, didn't you wear that yesterday? And the day before that? And the day before that? And that's when fights would break out. (laughs) And, (laughs) you know, and that's when I got the understanding that, you know, I was poor, you know, when a kid has food and love and shelter and so forth, they really don't care about, you know, the, the material things. But It was during that uh, period that my mother was working multiple jobs, single mom, four boys, working multiple jobs in order to make something of her children, make something of her family. So through the process of hard work and dedication on my mother's part to instruct the discipline of education into us, one of my teachers suggested that I test out for one of the specialized high schools in New York, Brooklyn Technical High School. And I made it into that high school, majored in electrical engineering, went on to college to major in electrical engineering, and then went on to start a career as an engineer, electrical engineering major, computer science minor. Well, making money wasn't the only thing. I was also spending money. So I found myself in 1993 with debts and with no job. I got laid off. So here it is, I have a mortgage, I've got student loans, like many students who graduate from college, and no way of figuring out how to pay it. Well, that gave me my first foray into trying to manage my finances properly. But just like every American consumer out there, I can't learn the lesson once. So I decided to go through it a second time. I got picked up 
by General Motors, worked there for about six or seven years. Then my youngest brother, and I'll get into the second time in a second, my youngest brother taught us about investing. He was working for one of the big six at the time. And that's what got me started into a change from engineering to financial advising. So in 2006, I made the plunge, left off engineering, and got into financial advising. But again, Stacy didn't learn my lesson. Built up over $600,000 worth of debt, and of which about 100000 was not student loans. It was credit card. About 100000 in credit card debt. And guess what happened this time? My income got cut by 70%. <laughs> but now I've got a wife and two kids. And that's when I got financial religion. Stopped with debt purchases altogether. Took the principles that I was learning as a new financial advisor and I was trying to help my new clients with and started applying them to my own life. Happy to say by 2013, paid off all the debt and by 20, that is the revolving debt. And by 2017, paid off all my debt, no debt, no credit card, no mortgage, no auto loans, no student loans, no owe my mother, my father, my dog Fido. I didn't know anybody. And it's because of that experience of going through it and again, Hard head, had to do it twice, but I learned the principles and that's what makes me prepared to help the financial, the uh, medical professionals such as what you cater to, to help them understand that, yes, I do understand the high debts and the high income that also comes along with that and how to manage it so that they can achieve their goals. Oh, I love that story. And I think what you just said, I'm sure is going to resonate with our audience because a lot of them, you know, have had very similar experiences where they're coming out and they have, you know, they're burdened with a lot of, you know, student loan debt. Obviously they have devoted their time and energy to really educate themselves and take a higher education path. And, you know, then they can start practicing, but then it's really the balance of the two. It's, they have all this debt to pay out, but then they're also starting to make a decent amount right. of money. And what is that balance? And so I'd love to, you know, just hear if you you have some tips. I mean, obviously you're working with financial, you know, financially you're giving a financial advice to healthcare professionals in your in your normal um, business. But give us some give us some tips there and, and some insights of how you you suggest what they should do. Well, one of the first things that I counsel my clients, regardless of their income, in fact, the more income that they make the more it's imperative that they take this principle. And it's a simple little catchphrase that I came up with, and it says, piff, otherwise poof. And we know what poof is from the cartoons, right? We see that little poof and it's up in smoke. Where did it go, right? So I say piff, otherwise poof. Piff is pay yourself first, P-Y-F, pay yourself first. When you pay yourself first, You've now worked your 80 hours. You've now worked your 120 hours, whatever time period that you were out there slinging it, taking care of patients, taking care of other people's uh, welfare. You've now had that opportunity to reward yourself by setting aside before the, the light bill, before the mortgage, before the phone bill, before the student loans, before the office supplies, before the salaries and, and before all of those things, you've put something aside for yourself. And Stacy, it could be 1%, it could be 50%. I just need you to get something aside for yourself. And we can build toward what it is that you need over time. But that is the first and primary tip. Pay yourself first. 
Now, there are several other things that I would recommend that medical professionals and healthcare professionals do, and that is build up a retirement, sorry, a, an emergency savings. Build up an emergency savings. The one thing that we are certain of is that emergencies will come. We know without question, no matter how hard we plan, something goes wrong. And if we don't have the funds set aside to deal with that, that only adds more stress and more pressure to our lives. So get an emergency savings set aside so that you can deal with that known, that is it's coming, but unexpected event. Um, a third thing that I would recommend, and this is where it's hard, it really is hard. Because one thing we know about doctors, especially, is that they work hard, but they also play hard. <laughs> oh, yeah. They work those 70, 80 hour weeks, but then they're taking these long vacations to exotic places. So consequently, debt becomes a mountain. That little snowball becomes a huge, huge mountain. They're graduating already with a whole ton of debt. But then they're buying houses, they're buying cars, they're taking these trips and so forth. So the third piece of advice that I'd give is manage. And in my world, that means reduce and eliminate. Manage debt. Because debt is a four-letter word, and it shouldn't be part of our vocabulary. Great advice. And I think, you know, as we're in this current, you know, state of, you know, there's inflation and everything that's that's going on today, I think that is really going to start resonating as we hear, you know, credit card APRs are getting, you know, they're high and, and those balances are starting to build up. So what what is some, when you're kind of guiding your clients about, you know, debt being a four letter word, is there any, you know, just kind of mindset that you're trying to get them in to really understand that and, and, and embrace that in their day-to-day lives. That is lives. an excellent point that you bring out, getting that mindset and being able to embrace it. So again, many, many doctors, in fact, many healthcare professionals, they do graduate, they've gotten their education, and now they have some debt. And somewhere in the back of their minds, they're thinking, you know what, this is something that I can manage over time. This is something that I can deal with and I will get to it whenever it is that I get to it. And the thing that many of them miss is that they would never take that reasoning from their patient. You know, they tell their patient, you've got heartburn, you've got some liver disease. Oh, well, doc, I'll just get to it when I get to it. I'll manage it with these pills. They would never take that reasoning from their patients. But yet when it comes to debt, because of the income that they're receiving, because of the multiple shifts that they can pick up at any point in time, they have that mindset that says, I will get to it whenever it is that I get to it. What I try to have them recognize is that debt is a wild card. Debt doesn't announce when it's going to wreak havoc on your finances. Just like with me, I had a good job as an engineer. I figured I'd always have this good job as an engineer until I didn't. And then I had a reduction in income and debt was still there saying, pay me, man, pay me. You've got to give it to Papa. Give up that cash. And it was during that time that I became more aware of how destructive debt is. Now, I don't want to make light of the subject because there are some that get into a debt situation through no fault of their own. It could be some medical emergency. It could be some profligate spouse or significant other. It could be some other issue, you know, uh, an accident of, of some sort. So I don't want to make it seem as if, you know, these are just, you know, uh, just, you know, irresponsible people that are just running up debt. 
No, debt might be there for various reasons. What I want to coach is the proper mindset and the attitude toward debt. So I start with having them recognize that debt is a wild card. It doesn't announce, it doesn't send out a TikTok video or a text to say, I'm coming to wreak havoc. I'm coming to destroy you. No, debt doesn't do that. It just sneaks up on you and then it chokes you, starts choking the daylights out of you. In fact, in my book, I make the analogy of debt to carbon dioxide. The medical professionals out there, they'll get this, right? We need carbon dioxide to breathe in order to, to have respiration, good respiration. We take oxygen in and we exhale carbon dioxide. But Stacy, what happens when there's too much of a buildup of carbon dioxide in the body? You know what happens? You get increased blood pressure, increased heart rate, increased breathing volume, an increased breathing rate. All of these things happen as that carbon dioxide builds up. And you know this to be true, right? I mean, when you were a kid, somebody would hold your nose in your mouth and, uh, and then you feel your heart, boop, 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 right? I say when you have an excess buildup of debt, what happens? And many people who've had their cars and homes repossessed, they know this. You get increased blood pressure. You get increased heart rate. You get increased breathing volume. You get all of those things as if carbon dioxide was building up in your body. The difference is we need carbon dioxide in order to respirate. We don't need debt for anything. So let's just clear the debt out. <laughs> I like it. We're clearing out that bad energy, clearing out that debt. I think that's a really great, great analogy and great way to look at it. Um, and I want to ask you kind of the, the next question is I'm going to have, you know, one for recent grads and, and one for, you know, some people that for, are further along within their career. So of those recent grads, obviously they're coming out and they know how much debt they have. That may be very overwhelming. What's, how do you normally talk to somebody, you know, that is starting out their career that has that debt? How do you kind of get them in the right path? It's the old proverb. How do you eat an elephant? For those of you that eat elephants, how do you eat an elephant? <laughs> One bite at a time. <laughs> One bite at a time. Yeah, that's a great. No, I think that that makes so much sense. Yeah. So just start start nibbling away. Start nibbling away. When you look at that that debt that you're coming out of med school with. It looks truly, in fact, it looks like a whole herd of elephants. It doesn't look like one elephant. It's the whole herd. It's coming at you. And you're like, oh, man, how am I going to deal with this? One at a time. One at a time. You don't look at it as the whole big picture. You look at it, you know, what is manageable? Because, yes, you're going to want to get a house. You're going to want to get a nice ride, whatever that ride is and so forth. You may want to start a family. You may want to move to a better climate. And that's going to cost money. You juxtapose all of that against the debt. And it may seem too large, but I say, you know what? Let's take it one at a time. How much can you afford to pay on your student loans? So we have that money understood. How much are you looking to purchase that house that you're thinking about for? We get that set aside. How much are you looking to purchase that car? So each one of these we assign a dollar value for, and then we look at the income against the obligations and we craft a plan that actually works so that everybody's satisfied. And you know, something else that uh, I didn't touch on, but it, it's, a, it's a good point to bring up here, and that is 
many of our medical professionals aren't just caring for themselves. They're also caring for family or even, even extended family. I know of uh, several um, doctors, some of which are clients, they're taking care of families back home in a different country altogether. So again, it's not to say that it's all about the wonderful lifestyle and, and the status and so forth. Some of these are real issues that are facing our, our doctors and our medical professionals. And I'm sensitive to that as I go about doling out advice. First, got to know where they are, then give them the proper picture. Let's take it bite size one at a time. And then before you know it, that elephant is eaten and your stomach feels great. Wow. Didn't know I could do it. <laughs> I, I like that. And, and Mr. Davis, tell us, I mean, do you think that, I mean, is it when you're talking about kind of this, this feeling uh, that they get and this accountability, is that something that, that really also helps to work with a, um, a financial advisor and professional like you? Because there is kind of this, I'm assuming, a, somewhat of a check and balance system on some of these things. That's exactly right. You know, um, when we look at uh, the top performers in any field, whether it's athletics or in the arts or in the sciences or even in the medical professional, the top performers, there's one thing that is consistent among them all. And that is they are very disciplined. They're driven, but they're disciplined in how they go about things. And... Again, I have a saying in my book that says, if discipline is the entree of the meal ticket to prosperity, then accountability is the secret sauce. I'll say that again. If discipline is the entree of the meal ticket to prosperity, then accountability is the secret sauce. And I don't count, I don't count prosperity as having a lot of money or a lot of possessions. I count prosperity simply as two things. You have enough for you and you have enough to take care of someone else. However that much may be. It could be a little bit. It could be a lot. But if you only have enough to take care of yourself, that's not prospering. That's sufficiency. You're doing just enough to take care of this and that's it. But when you have enough to take care of you and someone else, now you're prospering because you're going beyond yourself. And in order to get there, you have to have some accountability. If you don't have it within yourself, again, the great athletes, they have that self-accountability. The great doctors and scientists, they have that accountability within themselves. But for those of us that may not have that accountability, then you need to get an accountability partner. A financial advisor might be such a person. It could be a parent. It could be a colleague. It could be a teacher. It could be a coach. Whomever it is, they have to have at least two qualities. You hate to disappoint them. I mean, think about it. If you had to go tell your mother that you lost yet another boyfriend, I don't want to face mom. No. <laughs> so you will make sure you do what you need to do to keep that boyfriend, right? So you have to hate to disappoint them. And you also have to have respect. has to be both. You got to respect them and you got to have to hate to disappoint them. So whomever that is, again, it could be your advisor. It could be a coach, a parent, whomever it is. You need to have that accountability because truly, Discipline gets you to your goals and accountability is what keeps the discipline. Well said. I, I couldn't say it any better. Whoa. Um, great, great insights there. Um, now let's flip that coin a little bit. Let's talk about, you know, and this could be really for, for anybody, but let's say um, a healthcare professional is a little bit further along in their career and now they're saying, wait, hold on. I don't think I've prioritized, you know, my retirement enough. 
how, how do you normally, you know, get that, that conversation, you know, rolling with, with those individuals? So retirement, you know, as we started off earlier talking about, well, you know, you want a house, you know, you want a, uh, a, uh, a car, you know, you want to do different things. We do the exact same thing when it comes to retirement. We talk to them about what are your goals? So we're going to move away from being a medical professional now. And now you're going to be an artiste. You're going to be an artist. You're going to paint something. And that canvas is wide open and it's blank. And in order to get that, in order to get that um, canvas painted properly, we have to start with the plan. So when do you want to retire? How much do you want to retire on? Where do you want to be when you retire? Is there anyone in your life beyond your, your immediate family, like a, a parent or some other loved one that you want to take care of? Do you want to provide for potential grandchildren or do you want to provide for others that are not yet in the picture, but may soon be in the picture? So we try to get a, a listing of all the different things that they want to accomplish. And we're using today's dollars. We fully recognize retirement might be years, even decades off. But let's use today's dollars so that we can project forward what those things may actually look like. And after we've captured all of that, we then look at the assets because that's what's going to sustain you in retirement, right? It's not going to be I'm 95 and I'm still working. Hey, if that's your thing, work away. But most people, they don't want to be 95 and working. So we need to look at the assets now. So we look at the goals, we look at the assets, and we look at the liabilities and we say, how can we make them all play together so that you can accomplish that goal of retiring? But again, let's not charge at it as if it's got to be done today. No, that's, that's going to cause frustration. We want to take care of it in bite-sized pieces. Let's list those goals. Let's look at the assets. Let's look at the liabilities. Make them play together. You will get to retirement and be successful. Great advice there. And I think that can really help you know, some of our listeners today that may be thinking, okay, what, what should I do next? You know, how do I, you know, start doing this or how do I start planning? So I think reaching out to you and we're going to share your information at the end of this podcast, um, will, will be great. Is there any, you know, do you just really kind of broadly, is there a hard or fast rule that you try to get, you know, um, people from a, a savings or, you know, putting away from a retirement, in terms of, you know, what percentage of their, you know, um, income, is there any, you know, kind of quick, fast rules that you could give just as overall tips for our, um, our listeners? Today? Well, typically we let the goals drive the savings goals. Um, so if you want to, let's say, purchase a $300,000 home next year and you want to do it cash and you only have 100000 saved, well, that's going to drive how much you need to put away in order to get there. So that's typically where we start at the base. Let the goals drive the savings objectives. But if none of those things there are understood, because not everyone is starting at the same place, right? Some people really just don't know what it is that they want to do. So I try to say, you know what? It's a biblical principle. I don't know if you've heard the term tithe. A tithe means one-tenth. It's a biblical principle. You'll hear you know, a lot of religious people use that term when it comes to finances. And essentially means one-tenth. You put aside one-tenth as a rule of every compensation you get, whether it's your pay, whether it's your bonus, whether it's an incentive. You put aside 10% because, again, you may not know, but at least 10% of it is going away to myself. That pay yourself first, 
at least 10%. Now, to me, the best, the absolute best, Stacey, is 50% or more. When you can live on half of your, oh man, you're like living like a person sipping lemonade in the shade on a hot summer day. That is a wonderful place to be. Nice. Nice. Well, we all need we all need goals. We all need something to aspire to. Um, now, tell me, you know, are there common, you know, pitfalls that you've seen with some of the the healthcare professionals that you've worked with? Are there patterns or anything that you want to just let our viewers know? Just obviously, you have so much experience working with them um, that they should be mindful of. Yeah, I call it excellent question. The pitfalls, I call it ill, Mister Phipps. Ill Mr. Phipps, if you do not take care of ill Mr. Phipps, you will be sick. Well, what is ill Mr. Phipps? The first is income taxes. If you're not being careful about how much you're giving to Uncle Sam, I promise you, he never says no. You know, your friend might say, you know, that's too much. You know, I can pay for it myself. Uncle Sam never says no. If you want to give them more, he will take more. So be mindful of your income tax. The other one, L, is, of course, your lifestyle. You want to make sure that you are maintaining the lifestyle that you have, uh, that you have aspired to, to achieve. After all, you've spent all that time in medical school. You've spent all that time working on patients. You also want to maintain a certain level of living. So if you don't do that, frustration sets in. The next L in ill, Mr. Phipps, is legal entity or organization. Who are you? Are you going to be a, a proprietor, single proprietor, an LLC? Are you going to join some kind of S-corp or C-corp? Are you going to join some kind of group? What kind of legal entity are you looking to form? Are you going to be an employee at a hospital? All of these things you need to understand because there's compensation that goes along with those legal entities, and there are expenses that go along with that legal entity. So no one understand that. M, everybody knows the M. Everybody, every doctor, yeah, malpractice insurance. Without that, what do you do? Lose the house, the car, and all of your savings? Malpractice insurance. R, we've talked about it before. We'll talk about it once more. Retirement savings. Get that thing in order and start now. It's better to start now than to delay. Now is always the best time to start in your retirement savings. F, financial planning. You make money, you're going to spend money, you're going to give money away, and people are going to give you money. You need a plan for making sure all of those things work together so that your taxes are right and that your lifestyle is right and several other things in your life are right. The I, yep, investing. No one is going to get to retirement. No one is going to get to their goals by just putting money under the mattress, in a coffee can, in the rafters, or hidden in the backyard. You need to invest at a minimum to overcome inflation, but you also need to invest to get to all those goals that you have in mind. The P, you gotta protect. Protect those assets. You then you worked for it, you saved it. Why should it not then be taken away because of some silly mistake on behalf of someone else? Protect those assets. The other P, that's why you work. Provide for your family. And last, for some it's least, for others it's most student loans. When I find my medical professionals that do not take care of ill Mr. Phipps, they start feeling queasy in their belly. They start feeling their nose running. That's right. A cold is coming on. And if you don't take care of ill Mr. Phipps, 
you will get a contagion and eventually you will be so sick. So for all my medical professionals, and this should be easy for them to remember, he's talking about an ill patient. And what do doctors do? <laughs> they take care of ill patients. Take care of ill Mr. Phipps. Otherwise, you are going to be so sick. Oh, that was okay. I love that. I'm gonna we I'm gonna frame that. So um, I hope everybody, you know, that's listening. Um, if you turn into the visual portion of our podcast, which you can stream, um, you'll you'll be able to see that it's a really it's a really powerful graphic. Um, thank you, thank you, Lyndon, for that. That's I mean, I think that's great advice if you're really just going through through each piece of that um, on how how to um, achieve some financial success. I, I'd be curious, and this, you know, we always kind of like to have a case story, um, a case study or a case story of, of you know, um, when we talk to our guests, I don't know if there was, you know, a healthcare professional that you really felt you made, you know, significant progress towards their financial journey, you know, with your guidance or, or just a story that you would like to share. Um, and I think it always helps people get in the mindset of what they can achieve? Actually, there's one that uh, comes to mind. Um, it's a, a client of mine, a single mom, again, uh, one child. And at the time, and being that you don't know who this client is, I can actually talk numbers. <laughs> at the time, she only had about $115,000 saved up. And this was all of her life savings, really. And it was just after the financial crisis. And she was looking to get her son, who was a minor at the time and had several more years of, uh, of K through 12 schooling to accomplish. She was looking to get that son through that K through 12 schooling, as well as um, having college totally paid for. She wanted to pay, if not all of it, as much of it as she could. And then, of course, she wanted retirement for herself. So when we got engaged, uh, again, right after the financial crisis, she was very keen in letting me know I went through a big drop in my finances and I can't afford to go through something like that again. And I have this and I have that and I have these other things to do. Well, without going deep into the entire financial picture um, of this client of mine, um, we were able to put her on a savings goal. Now, mind you, this is some belt tightening because she had some aggressive goals. This is some belt tightening that she had to go through. Um, she had a, a, a private practice also, as well as working, you know, for, uh, for a business and in putting the plan together, we set aside a certain amount, given what we thought education costs would be, we set aside a certain amount for the college and it was automatic. If there's anything that you can do for your offspring is to really make that money you just don't think about it. It just goes directly from pay to the savings account. So we made it automatic so it was never a thing. And then the other thing that we did was we made sure we upped her retirement savings to not only get the match, but to get the tax breaks that she wasn't taking advantage of by not maxing out. Too many times, not just healthcare professionals, they want to spend as much as they can as opposed to save first, spend second. So we upped her uh, her percentage so that she was getting the max contributions that the IRS allowed every year. And then thirdly, we did some refinancing. This is key. Remember I said for me, debt is eliminate, reducing and eliminating. 
Well, one of the ways that we get to that reduction in eliminating is by getting rid of high interest rate credit to lower interest rate credit and then pay those off as fast as we can. It just so happened that in us refinancing her property, we also got her to a place where the equity grew even faster than we had hoped. So now we're fast forward to the time that she's about to um, retire, just around when the COVID lockdowns happened. So think about that. Think about that as a time to say that I'm retiring. Right around that time, she's about to call it quits. I am happy to say that that 115,000 was over 10 times that amount. And we're talking about in about 13, 12, 13 years. So it wasn't like, you know, 20, 30 years later, she had about 10 times that amount. And I'm not talking about we did some, you know, she was eating breadcrumbs and, you know, living on the corner of a house stop. No, she was living the lifestyle that she had crafted for herself, but she was taking different steps toward getting to her financial goals. And I proud to say today that she is retired and retired for her means she's working at the pace she wants to work at. She's working the hours that she wants to work at. Her son got through college. He did have some loans, but they were minimal loans. Um, he did have to take out some loans, but he got through college. He's out working now, and he's a very successful professional, making a very good income, living on his own. So for us parents, that's success in itself. Our kids living on their own. Oh, <laughs> give me that all day long and twice on Sunday. So she, she's actually making a good life for herself by working the hours that she wants to work, doing the things that she wants to do, taking care of family and taking care of friends. And it all started from that day way back right after the financial crisis when we got together to say, OK, what are your goals and when do you want to get them by? Wow. I, I mean, that I, I hope all you know, our audience was listening. That really, you know, that was just resonated. I mean, it resonated with me. That's just I mean, what you were able to do in such a short time and, and have, you know, her achieve everything that she wanted um, just by, you know, kind of changing what she would have normally done, re kind of reverse the way that she was thinking about finances by working with you. That is so, so powerful. And I know, you know, obviously you've devoted a lot of your life to help, you know, healthcare professionals in this industry that are doing so much to help, you know, others and make sure that we're all healthy. So we really appreciate, you know, everything that you're putting in to help the financial literacy and help improve, you know, the financial outcomes of, of everybody that's taking care of us. So that was, that was a great, great story. I hope everybody, you know, listening really enjoyed that. Um, and I think when you said that there's something that really resonated because it's a trend that's within the healthcare professional community right now. And that is a lot of, a lot of them are, you know, retiring early or leaving early or, you know, opting to, you know, take on less hours. Mm -hmm. And so when you said she's working the, you know, the amount that she wants to work, I've heard that from a lot of, you know, physicians that they, they want to keep working, but maybe it's dialing it back a bit and, and working more, you know, you know, reasonable hours as they get, you know, older working locums tenants. Um, so that was, I really think that is something for our audience to think about is when you have the control of your financial future. You know, Stacey, not only having the control of your financial future, but, and this sounds really weird, but having control of your financial present, you know, many times and, and it, it, my most successful clients, they consult me before they take compensation packages. 
They bring those things to me before for me to give it a once over before they actually sign on the dotted line. To me, that's taking care of your financial present. There are a whole host of thoughts and and strategy that goes into the various compensation packages that are being offered. I had this one client of mine that he was looking at two different offers. One was going to compensate him based upon RBUs. Another was going to compensate him based upon the number of patients, the throughput that he was actually um, uh, uh, dealing with. And we went through, we looked at the tax implications. I am not a tax advisor, but I can look at the, the compensation to tell you what the potential might be in terms of your income and what the IRS tax tables and the rest of those things say um, uh, regarding that income. So we went through some, some of the, the tax planning. We went through some of the estate planning because if he had gone in the, in the private side, then what happens if something happens to him? How does that business get disposed of? How does the income that he's due, how does that pass on to his loved ones? So it's not just taking care of the financial future. That will come if we're alive. But Stacy, we're alive today and we need to be taking care of the financial present so that we can get to the future. So, you know, let's let's make sure our, our medical professionals recognize that. Look at your comp packages, look at your incentive packages and truly talk it out instead of, oh, those are big numbers. I think I should sign. No, time out, time out. Let's make sure it works for you. Uh, that's great insight and, and, and advice because we have many, many financial, you know, decisions to make. And we hear from our, you know, physicians and, and um, nurses and nurse practitioners that we help daily that there are those, they have to weigh those RVUs versus just straight mm -hmm. comp you know, versus, you know, sign on bonuses, right. all those things can be really tricky to somebody that's not, you know, that's not what they studied and went to school for and, okay. and are experts in. So having somebody like you to bounce, you know, bounce that off of and to look at, I think is, is really, really powerful. And again, you, you know, I think our audience knows this, but really they're in the driver's seat right now because of the shortage. Yes you know, because of you, they're needed everywhere. And so I think having a little bit of that mindset, sh mindset shift of, you know, let me take control. Let me look at this. Does this work for me? Does it meet my needs? And will it help me hit my financial present and future? I love that. Well, Linda, I would love for you to talk to us a little bit about your book and share that with the audience so that they can, you know, know where to find that and learn just a little bit about what the book is about. Okay. Well, I'm going to try to give a little graphic here. You see this here book? Oh, what? there we go. Um, it's called Air Supply, How to Financially Breathe Easier. Air Supply. And um, it can be found on Amazon. It can be found on um, Barnes and Noble, Apple Books, Google Books, all of those, you can actually go on and just type in the uh, the title and you'll be able to find it. So Air Supply by L.L. Davis, that's me, um, How to Financially Breathe Easier. And what the book talks about is truly the money mindset, getting your right mind. And the way I use it is through two mediums. One is air and the other is being a boss. Air, as we know, we need for everything. And if you think about the way that most of the developed world economies, if not all the major economies of the world, they run on money. So money is sort of like air. As, as air is to the body, money is to an economic system, especially a personal economic system, your personal finances. And if you do certain things, you will find that your money behaves seriously, just like air. 
How? Well, in certain cases, when things get colder, air gets denser. Sorry, it, it gets uh, it gets uh, um, contracted. That's the word I want. Air gets contracted and it begins to fall. Same with your money. When your financial temperatures get colder, a job loss, a layoff, or, or a major expense that was unexpected and so forth, yeah, your, your, your financial position begins to drop just like air. What happens in the summertime? Well, things heat up. Air begins to expand and things go up. What happens when your money begins to expand? Yeah, things begin to go up too. Your IRA balances go up. Your savings account balances go up. Your, your, your uh, house value goes up. All of those different things begin to go up. Now, what happens when you start putting a whole lot of carbon monoxide and a whole lot of, 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 of smoke and smut and everything in the air? Breathing becomes difficult. And if it's too much, it actually begins to choke off your air supply and you can get into serious physical uh, uh, negative consequences. Same. What happens when your money gets polluted? When stuff starts entering in like debt? What happens when you start paying like this one person? She, she was not a client. But she had nine. Is that nine? She had nine life insurance policies and only one dependent who's already grown and living on his own. Why did she have nine policies? Who was getting that? To me, that's that's polluting your, your financial air supply. So we look at things like that. And then, of course, we look at two big things. One is we only possess air for a finite amount of time. I'm sorry to inform everyone out there. But you are going to die. <laughs> you are. You're not going to keep breathing forever. And likewise with your money. Your money is not going to be yours forever. Eventually, that money will stop. And what happens when it does? Do the people that depend on you, does it stop for them too? The people that you care about, does it stop for them too? So you want to have good planning, good estate planning for when, just like when your breathing stops, you want to have good planning for when that income, whatever it is that you've been doing to drive money, when it stops. And then the other is, to me, the best part of the part of it all, and that is the ability to give. Give. We spend tons of time getting and receiving. How much time do we actually give and thought do we actually give to giving? We've received. Now we have an opportunity to give that prosperity that I was telling you about before, I'm taking care of me. Now I have an opportunity to take care of someone else. And there's a myriad of ways that you can actually do that. Even after you've passed on, you can still give and take care of things even after you're no longer alive. The book gets into shaping some of that. So again, you know, um, getting your mind right around money. And then the other example is being a boss, being a boss. And what do I mean by being a boss? I mean, if you go back over 100 years ago, go back to like 1910, 1920, almost 80% of the working public in the U.S. worked for themselves. They got up every morning not because somebody said, hey, you got to punch this clock or, hey, you know, you rang a bell. You've got it. No, they got up because if they didn't get up, nothing else happened. They got up in order to take care of because they're the boss. And if you fast forward now to 2018, which is the latest data that I have, and it's in the book. Um, you have over 88% of the working public in the U.S. working for someone else. Nothing wrong with that. There is nothing wrong with working for someone else. The trouble comes with the mindset, Stacy. 
if we think like a boss, then we'll treat and we treat our money like a boss, then we tell our money what to do, like fetch me dinner, pay for my groceries, take me on vacation, give me a good massage. You tell your money what it needs to do for you. Whereas in the other case, people treat money like a coworker. And you know how it is sometimes in these dysfunctional environments. People start getting on about how come they got a raise and I didn't get a raise. How come they got this promotion? You know, you start getting all irritated at your coworker or you start praising your coworker. Oh, they're so smart. They're, they're, they're so wonderful, you know, and you start doing that with your money. You start praising your oh, money. You're so great. Money's a tool and you're the boss. You need to use that tool the way that is intended, but mostly the way that gets you to your goals and helps someone else out um, along the way. So those are the kind of things that you'll find, to me, the major things that you'll find in the book, as well as some other things. Okay, I'm going out to get that book. So Air Supply, L.L. Davis, uh -huh. get on Amazon, go, everybody, go get that book. I am sure it will help you with, with everything that your your current financial yeah. situation, present and, and future. Let us know uh, where can where can our audience find you and 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 connect with you to potentially work together. So um, it's www.lindendaviswm.w uh, for wealth and for management. www.lindendaviswm.com. That's my website, and Linden is spelled like the dead president, except I'm alive. L-Y-N-D-O-N. <laughs> um, so that's my website. You can also call. I'm one of those weird advisors that actually answers my phone. And if I don't, I'm going to get back to you within 24 hours. Um, and that number is 248-539-5113. And of course, you can also send me an email, lyndon.davis at raymondjames.com. So those are the three major ways that you can actually get in touch with me. Another major way is that you can stop in at the office. Now, if you want that address, I can give it to you. But I would say call first because I might be out meeting with someone just like you and you'd be so disappointed that I wasn't there when you stopped in. Well, thank you so much for your time today, Lyndon. I appreciate everything that you shared with our audience. There's so many, you know, tools and, and just really, you know, mindsets that you've shared that I think will help everybody um, as they, you know, really start, um, you know, owning and possessing their financial future and, and the f freedom that being just financially present can can provide them as well. So I've learned that, you know, debt's a bad yes, word. So I've learned a lot of a lot of great things. Thank you so much for your time. And um, we look forward to having you back on. Thank you. And I look forward to the same. Thank you to all of our listeners. If you would like to be notified when new episodes air, make sure to hit that subscribe button. And a big thank you to Pacific Companies. Without you guys, this podcast would not be possible. If you would like to be a guest, please go to www.pacificcompanies.com. Thank you.